With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Mitziyot HaChavdal on page 24. The Gemara that we've been speaking about until now has this concept of Klei Ampuria. Klei Ampuria is a brand new vessel that did not yet have a chance for someone to recognize it. Now, we said, what are we talking about here? Because if it has a sign, so it should be returned regardless. If there's no sign, then what's the difference if it's brand new or if it's slightly used? In any event, there's no specific sign that he can use to prove it. So we explained that it's talking about a case where there's a Torah scholar who's scrupulously honest. He never tells a lie except for in the three cases where it's permitted specifically only there. So, such a person, we will believe him to say that this is his vessel, if it's something that there was a chance for it to be learned, so to speak, even if it doesn't have a special distinguishing characteristic. Now the Gemara brings a story that relates to this idea as follows. Marzucha Chasida, there was a certain sage by the name of Marzucha Chasida, he had a guest who had a silver cup, and that silver cup was stolen. So Marzucha Chasida saw that there was a certain student in the yeshiva, what he would do is he would wash his hands, and then he would wipe off his hands with someone else's shirt. Omar, so Marzucha Chasida said, that's the robber. Clearly from the fact that he'll just go over to someone else's shirt and use it without permission, he doesn't care about using other people's property without their permission. So they forced that student and he indeed admitted that he was the one who had stolen the silver cup. So this story is a clear example that if we can't trust somebody, if they're not scrupulously honest in all ways, we can't trust them in regards to stealing as well. But if he is indeed scrupulously honest, then we can't trust him in regards to if he claims, if he says that a certain object is his and he doesn't have a distinguishing characteristic assigned to prove it, nevertheless we will trust him if he's always absolutely honest in all other areas. Tanya, we have a brisa. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar will agree that if we're talking about brand new vessels, that there was an opportunity for their owners to get used to the way they look. In such a case, there will be an obligation for you to announce them. And it would seem that this is talking about there's an obligation to announce it for the sages, for those people who are Torah scholars, who are very careful in being absolutely accurate to the truth. And therefore, as Mephorshim explained, the commentators explain, that if we're talking about a case where you will have to announce it, for example, where there was an opportunity for them to get used to the way it looks, no, it doesn't have a specific sign. So you'll go to places where the sages, the Torah scholars, usually hang out, to a base medrash, to a house of study, to the synagogue, etc. And that's where they'll announce it specifically in that place, but not in such a public area per se. The following are cases where you have brand new objects, brand new vessels that are so new that there was no opportunity to get used to the way they look. Then in such a case, there's no obligation at all to announce them. Keep going, for example, branches that are used as pincushions for pins and needles, and strings or ropes that are hanging from them, axes. So since they're so brand new, they've never been used, so there was no opportunity for their owners to be able to recognize them. All these cases that we said, when are they going to be permitted for a person to keep them? Only in a case where they were found one by one. But if they were found two by two, then there will be an obligation to announce them, and it would seem not even just to Torah scholars, but even for anyone, because if there's a certain number of branches, let's say, or of bundles of axes, so then that's a proper sign, and it will give an opportunity for the actual owners to be able to claim their object. Now the Gemara says, my body, we spoke about these branches, what are these branches? Shuchi. So they're long branches. Va'amai karole body, why do we refer to them as badim? Usually a branch is not referred to as a bad, a bad usually refers to a pole. So the Gemara says, bad Anything that you hang something 
hanging from it, it's called a bud. So even though this is a branch, since you're hanging these pins from it, or needles from it, it's going to be considered a bud. Like this concept that we find in a Mishnah in Sukkah, in regards to Aravos, the willow branches that are part of the Lulav bundle, there's an opinion that says that as long as you have one leaf left on each stalk, that's going to be considered kosher. And uses the word bad to refer to a stalk, to a branch, and the concept there is, just as we were saying over here, that any time we're having something hanging from it, for even if it's a branch, it would be referred to as a bad. And the thing over there that's hanging is a leaf. Similarly, Rabbi Shimon used to say, Somebody who saves something from the clutches of a wild beast, from a lion, a bear, a leopard, etc., or from a tidal wave, or the overflowing of a river, somebody who finds it on a great path, either between two cities or going through a city, or any place where there's a lot of people there, permitted to keep because the original owners have given up hope from ever seeing their thing again. I'll ask you a question. Would we say that Rabbi Shimon Allah, when he says that it's permitted to keep it in such a case, would that be only specifically a place which is mostly non-Jews, because non-Jews do not have an obligation to return lost objects, and therefore the original owners are going to give up hope on them? But if the place is mostly Jews, since the Jews do have an obligation to return it, so then the original owners do not give up hope. Or perhaps, would we say that even if the place consists mostly of Jews who have an obligation to return it, maybe the person would give up hope anyway, because there are some Jews who may not return the lost object to despite the fact that there's a commandment, because they just feel like taking it. Now, if we would say that even in a case where it's mostly Jewish people in that area, nevertheless, he would say that you can keep it because the owners give up hope. Do the sages argue with him or not? Would the sages disagree and say that you would have to announce it? And if they do indeed argue, so in the case where it's mostly Jews, there are they for sure going to argue. Would they say that they argue even in a case where it's mostly non-Jews, that there would be an obligation to announce it, even despite the fact that there are non-Jews there who might take it. And the reason could be that since the person who's lost it knows that there are also Jews around, so he would depend on the fact that the Jew will return it. Even if the non-Jew would take it, maybe he would indeed not give up hope. And if, perhaps we would say, that they do argue even in such a case, even where there are mostly non-Jews, like whom is going to be the law? Are we going to pass in like him that is permitted to keep it? Or are we going to pass in like the sages that is not permitted to keep it? And if indeed the halacha, the law, is like him, so would that only be true in regards to a place which is mostly non-Jews, or even in a case which is mostly Jews, it would still be permitted to keep it because the person does give up hope. Tashima. The Gemara tries to bring a proof to our entire question. If you find money in a synagogue or in a place of study, or any place where there are many people there, it's permitted to keep it because the owners give up hope on them. Who's the sage that holds that if there's a lot of people around, so we're going to go after the fact that there's a lot of people and we assume that the person has given up hope? We can deduce from here. We're talking about synagogues, we're talking about places of study, so obviously this is even talking about in a case where the place is mostly Jews. Nevertheless, it's permitted to keep it because the people have given up hope. So Gemara says, no, it's no proof. We could say that the case is talking about where the money is spread out. And since it's spread out, even the sages agree that in such a case it's permitted to keep the money. 
because we can assume from the fact that it's spread out that the person who lost the money doesn't even know where he lost the money and therefore he gives up hope as soon as he notices that the money is gone so we're just hold on a second if indeed we're talking about a case where the money is spread out my area why is the Bryce talking about the fact that there are lots of people there even if there's not a lot of people there the fact that the money is spread out that's enough for you to be able to keep it rather we're talking about a case where the money is tied up in a bundle or according to the other gear so it's and the money is piled up it's not spread out you know what the case is over here so we translated the word as a synagogue but a base knesis the word can also mean that it's a place where people gather so the Canaanites the non-Jews so it's a place where they gather so there's no proof that if it's a place where Jews gather that you're going to be allowed to keep it but rather it could be that it's specifically talking about a case where it's non-Jews gathering there that's why the owners have given up hope hold on a second well we also set a place a house of study what are you going to say there are, the non-Jews don't learn Torah so the Gemara answer is we could say that the case is talking about our houses of study the but there are non-Jews who are there to guard the place and since those non-Jews are there they don't have an obligation to return lost objects so therefore the owners are going to give up hope on them. So says, Now that we're saying that this is the understanding of the case, but we could also say that the synagogues that we spoke about, that we translate, we tried to say that maybe it's talking about a place of gathering for non-Jews, so we could just as well say that we're talking about a case of a synagogue that belongs to us, a Jewish place, but it's a place where there are non-Jews that are hired to guard, and therefore, since the non-Jews don't have an obligation to return lost objects, so if a Jew loses it there, so he's going to give up hope of ever receiving it back, and therefore, if you find it and you're a Jew, you're allowed to keep it. Tashima. The Gemara tries to bring another proof. Matzabah Aveda. Let's say you find a lost object in a city which is partly Jewish, partly non-Jewish. In Rav Yisrael. So if most of the people there are Jews, there's an obligation to announce it because the person who's lost it won't assume that it's going to be taken. In Rav Kenanim, but if it's mostly non-Jews, there's no obligation to announce it as we said before because the person who lost it, he will assume that the non-Jew is going to take it. Who's the one that says that it's a significant factor the fact that there's a lot of people in an area? Ben Elazar. It was Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar. Shamas Mino. So we can deduce from here, Kikam Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar. When does Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar say that it's permitted to keep it? Beroiv Kenanim. Only in a place which is mostly non-Jews. Aval Beroiv Yisrael Loi. But if it's a place of mostly Jews, it would not be permitted to keep it. The Gemara says it's no proof. Hamani Rabbanani. We could say that it's the sages, and that's why it's not permitted to keep it in a place of mostly Jews. But it could be Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar would hold that you could keep it in a place which is mostly Jews. The Gemara says if indeed it is the sages, Tifshet Mino, the Moedle Rabbanon, the Rabbi Shimon Ben Elazar, Beroiv Kenanim. We would be able to deduce that the sages agree to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar in a case where it's mostly non-Jews that is permitted to keep it. And it seems the Gemara doesn't want to say such a thing. Really, I'll tell you, it is Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. And ordinarily, in a place which is mostly Jews, it would also be permitted to keep it. What's the case over here? The reason that you're not allowed to keep it in this case is because it's clear that it was hidden. Meaning, the person who left this object here, he didn't lose the object, he hid it. And you found where he had hid it. And therefore, now there's going to be an obligation for you to return that object because clearly the person who lost it, he didn't really lose it, he placed it there. And therefore, he hasn't given up hope on it. The says, hold on a second. Ibid Tamun, if we're talking about a case where it's a hidden object, Maya Viditegabe, why did the guy pick it up? He's not supposed to pick up an object which is hidden, you're supposed to leave it there. Vahatna, we have a mission like this. Matzakliba Ashba, if let's say you find an object inside of a garbage can, Mechusa, if it's covered up, Lo Yigaboy, so you're not supposed to touch it. Megula, but if it's uncovered, so then you will take it and you will announce it. So if it's covered, it was clearly put there intentionally, and it was clearly left there in such a way that the person is not giving up hope. 
and we see that you're not supposed to pick it up, you're not supposed to touch it. So what's going on over here? So my answer is Kedama Rapapa, just like Rapapa says elsewhere, that there's a time when somebody picks up an object, even though ordinarily you're not supposed to pick up an object that's covered. But it depends what we're talking about. Because if a person leaves his object in an ashba, an ashba is a garbage area. So if he leaves it there, and it's a place that's constantly being cleared out, so then obviously he's being mafkered, he's making it ownerless. But if he leaves it in a place which is ordinarily not cleaned out so often, so if he left it there with a cover, then clearly he means to come back. But the case that we're talking about over here, says the Gemara, is a case where it's normally not cleared out. But the owner of this garbage area has decided for some reason to suddenly clear out the area. So it seems that there's an obligation on the person who's cleaning out his garbage area if he finds such an object, so it has to be returned because the person did not give up hope on it. Hachanami, so we could say here as well, that the reason that, despite the fact that ordinarily, in a place that's mostly Jews, it could be Rishman Lazar holds that you don't have to return it. But here you have to return it because the person indeed has not given up hope because he assumes that his object is going to remain there and the garbage area is not going to be cleared out. So now that you're clearing it out, so you got to pick it up, you got to take it home, and he got to announce it to give it back to the person who it originally belonged to. The Gemara says on Chavtel, on base, page 24b, but you say another possibility, really I'll tell you that it's actually the sages, and we said before that if it's the sages, we have a problem, because then we would be able to see that the sages indeed agree to Rabbi Ben Lazar in a case where it's a place of mostly non-Jews, that the person does give up hope, and you would be allowed to keep it. So the Gemara says, no, there's no proof, it doesn't say that the person can keep it, it says there's no obligation to make an announcement, but what does he do? The person who finds it should place it aside, he shouldn't use it, and then the Jew who lost his object should come around looking for the person who may have found his object, bring his sign, and then he'll be able to take it. And Rashi explains that it's very possible that this object that was found actually belongs to a non-Jew. And if that's true, so then there's no obligation to return a lost object to a non-Jew. And therefore, there's no obligation to make an announcement. But on the off chance that it's the Jews, so it's not permitted for the Jew who has found it to keep it. Therefore, he places it to the side. And indeed, if it belongs to a Jew, so the Jew can come bring his sign and he'll be able to receive it back. Tashima. We have another statement which is relevant to our discussion. Ravasi said, If you find a barrel of wine in a city which is mostly non-Jews, So as far as finding a lost object goes, so you're allowed to keep it, meaning you don't have to announce it. However, as far as using it, so it's forbidden to get any benefit from it, because since it could come from a non-Jew, so non-Jewish wine is forbidden from getting benefit from. So now, let's say the Jew who owned this barrel comes along brings a sign. So, first of all, the Jew who gave the sign doesn't get it back, because we have a concept, as Vashi explains, that since it's a place which is mostly non-Jews, so the Jew gives up hope on ever getting his thing back. So even though he's bringing a sign, proving that it's his, nevertheless, it's not necessary to return it, because he gave hope on it originally. And now, the person who has found it, since he knows that it originally came from a Jew, he doesn't have to assume that it came from a non-Jew anymore, and therefore it's permitted for the person who found it to drink it. Kim Asigwamer says, who's this like? Kirib Shem Ben Elazar. This is like Rib Shem Ben Elazar, so the person who found it is allowed to keep it. So we can deduce from when does Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar say that it's permitted to keep it? Only in a place which is mostly non-Jews. But if it's a place which is mostly Jews, lie. That wouldn't be true. You would have to announce it. So the Gemara responds, Really, I'll tell you, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says that it's permitted to keep it even in a place which is mostly Jews. But this statement was made by Namora, which was Ravasi, and he holds like Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar in one case, meaning in regards to a place which is mostly non-Jews, that is permitted there to keep it, but in a city which is mostly Jews, so then Ravasi will disagree with Rishim ben Elazar, and he will hold that in fact, in such a case it will be permitted to keep it.
Now the Gemara says a different question. When we said before that if a person finds a barrel in a city which is mostly non-Jews, it's permitted to keep it, but it's forbidden to get any benefit from it, what does it make a difference that you can keep it if you can't get any benefit from it? The Gemara answers, Ravashi explains that the benefit that you can have is not from the wine itself, but you can have a benefit from the barrel, and therefore that's the ramification of the fact that it's permitted to keep. There was a certain person, this guy found four zoos, four coins, that were tied up in a kerchief, and they had been thrown in the Biran River. Also, the commander of Yehuda, he came in front of Yehuda, Amarle, and Sir Yehuda said, Zil Achris, go and announce them, meaning you have to try to return them to their proper owner. The Gemara says, hold on a second, why is this different than a tidal wave that came and took away some coins or some money or some property? Sigmar answers, Shani Nahar Biron. It's different in the case of the Biron River came in the Maskil, since there are many dams inside of the river, Loimiaish. The person is not going to give up hope because these dams were cleaned out on a regular basis. So the person who lost it assumes that in fact it's going to be found. And therefore he doesn't give up hope, and therefore there's obligation of the person who's found it to return it. Gemara says, hold on a second, but Ninu. Most of the people in this area were non-Jews. Shmawinam. So then we, we should be able to deduce from Yehuda's statement, that Allah is not like Yerushim ben Lazar. Even if we're in a place, that is mostly non-Jews because this place was mostly non-Jews and he's saying you have to announce it. The Gemara says, no, not a proof. Shani Nahar Biran is different in the case of the Biran River, the Yisrael Sahula, the Yisrael Karula. That the people who had made the dams and the people who are cleaning out the dams, those are all Jews. Came the Yisrael Sahula, since Jews are the ones who had made this dam, Amar Yisrael Nafal. We have every reason to believe that the money had fallen from a Jew. We came the Yisrael Karule, and since the Jews are the ones who are cleaning out the dams, Loimiyayish. So the Jew who lost it originally is not going to give up hope because he's going to assume that a Jew is going to find it and return it. Therefore, the Jew who has found it indeed has to return it. Rav Yehuda have a shakal Marshmuel. One time, Rav Yehuda was walking behind Marshmuel, the shukud Daisa, in the marketplace where they used to sell chopped up weed in order to be used for cereal. And there were a lot of people there. So he asks him, if you find a wallet in this area, what's going to be the law? So the response was that it's permitted to keep it, meaning you don't have to announce it. So then he asks, let's say a Jew comes along and gives a sign, what's going to be the halacha? Does he have to return it? So he says, indeed, you would have to return such a case. So he says, and that's a contradiction, because if, if you are allowed to keep it and you don't have to announce it, that means that the person has given up hope. So if he's given up hope, so if he comes and he claims it with a sign, it's irrelevant, you should be allowed to keep it as well. So why are you saying something which seems to be a contradiction? So he responded and said, Actually, I'm telling you a law which is beyond the letter of the law, meaning, when it comes to, if you want to know what the strict law is, you don't have to return it. However, if you want to be a chassid, you want to be on a higher level, so you can return it. It's something that's recommended, but not required. There was a story with the father of Shmuel. He found some donkeys in the wilderness. And he returned them to their master, even though he had found them, and they had been left there for 12 months. And the reason that he did this was beyond the letter of the law. Meaning there was no obligation for him to actually do this, but he did this as a maizah chassidus, as a purely altruistic act. One time, Rabbi was walking behind Rav Nachman in the leather workers' marketplace. There are those who say it was the marketplace of the sages. So he says, What's going to be the law if you find a wallet over here? So he said to him, It's permitted to keep it. Let's say a Jew comes, brings a sign. What's going to be the law? It's permitted to keep it. It doesn't matter that he brings a sign.
Behold, the guy's going to be standing there and he's going to be screaming, this is his. It's clear that it's his. So he answered that it's no worse than a case where a person is screaming about the fact that his house fell down or that his boat had sunk in the sea. Meaning he lost it and there's absolutely nothing that he can do about it because he gave up hope originally on it and therefore transfers into the possession of the person who's found it. There was a certain bird, the shakal bisra b'shuka, v'shadi b'tznaisa d'bimar Marion, that took a piece of meat out of the marketplace and threw it amongst the palm trees of this man named Bar Marion. Also, so Bar Marion, he found this piece of meat and he comes in front of Abai to ask what to do. Amar lay, so Abai responds to him and says, Zil shkala nafshach, you're allowed to keep it. The Gemara says, hold on a second, Baharuba the Yisrael Ninu. This was a place, this was a marketplace which was mostly Jews. Shamas me no halacha gibishim ben alazar, a field of Yisrael. Would we be able to deduce from the statement of Abaye that the halacha is like gibishim ben alazar that's permitted to keep it even in a place which is mostly Jews? The Gemara says, no, no proof. Shani dioi, it's different in the case of a bird, the kazuta shal yamdami, because it's more comparable to a tidal wave, something that was unexpected, and when the owner sees that it's being taken away by the bird, he gives up hope of ever receiving it back. Sigmar says, hold on a second. How could he keep it? How could he use it? We have a concept that if you have meat that was hidden from the eye, it was out of view for a certain amount of time, it's forbidden to use it because we have to assume that perhaps it got switched with non-kosher meat. Sigmar answers, The entire time that the bird picked up the meat and placed it amongst the palm trees of Barmerian, the meat was visible to the eye. People were able to see the bird flying away. They saw it from the beginning to the end, and therefore there was no point at which it could have been switched with non-kosher meat, and therefore it was permitted to eat. One time, Rabbi Hanina found a goat that had been slaughtered. He found it between this place called Tveri and Tzipori, two Jewish towns, and they permitted it to him. Rabbi Ami says, First of all, they permitted it to him in regards to the fact that it's a lost object, he's allowed to keep it. And that seems to be like Rabbi Shimon Lazar, so says you're allowed to keep it. And the fact that they considered it slaughtered and he was permitted to eat it, so that's like Rabbi Hanania, the son of Rabbi Yosi Aglili, that we're about to see. The tiny wave of rice as follows. Let's say a person lost his goat, and also his chicken. And then he goes and he finds them that they were slaughtered already. So Rabbi Huda says it's forbidden to eat those things. And Rabbi Hanani, the son of Rabbi Yisrael, says it's permitted to eat it. We assume that in fact it was slaughtered correctly. Rabbi says, It was seen that Rabbi Huda is correct. He says it's forbidden in a case where it was found in the garbage, because obviously it was thrown in the garbage because the slaughtering was not done correctly. And the words of Rabbi Hanani, the son of Rabbi Yosei Aglili, where he said that it's permitted to eat it, if you found it in the house, then you can assume that it was slaughtered correctly. Now, from the fact that we see that it was permitted to him as far as the slaughtering goes, clearly, the place was a place which was mostly Jews passing by there. So we should be able to deduce from there, that the law is going to be like Rabbi Shimon Lazar that it's permitted to keep, and you don't have to announce it, even in a place which is mostly Jews. And this would prove that indeed a person gives up hope on it. Rav says, Rav says, I'll tell you, there's no proof, because we could be talking about a place which is mostly non-Jews. However, most of the slaughtering that's being done in these areas is being done by Jews. And therefore, if you find it slaughtered, it's permitted to eat it, because you can assume that a Jew slaughtered it. However, as far as whether or not you can keep it, you can keep it, because the person gives up hope, since it's mostly non-Jews passing through there. Rabbi Ami Ashkach Pargi has been very lazy One time Rabbi Ami found some chickens, some little chickens that were slaughtered, and they were between the two places Tveri and Tzipori. Also look at me the Rabbi Asi. So he comes in front of Rabbi Asi. There are those who say that he came in front of Rabbi Yechanan. There are those who say he walked into the house of study to ask his question. And he was told, that is permitted to keep it. Rabbi Yitzchak the blacksmith, he found a spool of thread or a spool of rope 
And it was a place where people who had nets would walk through there often. Also, look at me, the Rabbi Yechanan, he came in front, in front of Rabbi Yechanan, that those who say he came into the house of study, he was told, it's permitted to keep it.